2: Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Her Others. On Talk Sport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Cleared off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers.
3: Lana Cleland striking from outside the penalty area.
2: World beating big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talksport 2.
4: Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. It was yet another weather hit weekend across the Barclays FAWSL and the Championship. But that's not stopping us here at Women's Football Weekly because we have a bumper lineup of guests for you. We're going to be going more in depth on the championship and we'll be joined by a guest from each of the top three clubs in the division. But first, Let's look at some of the headlines from the action that did take place. And another worldie from Weir capped off a fantastic win for City in the Manchester Derby.
1: Weir, oh, that's outrageous! That is outrageous from Caroline Weir. Sensational.
4: Chelsea go five points clear at the top after cruising past Bristol City.
2: Oh, it's flicked all the way in. And claiming it is Fran Kirby. She's saying she got the faintest touch to that corner and Kirby reaches double figures for the season in the WSL.
4: And it's still all to play for in the championship despite the weather dampening what could have been a season-defining match at the weekend. We look at the season so far and hear from the fans of title chasing Leicester and Durham.
2: It's Wilkinson. It's goal number 15 in the championship this season. And the league's top scorer is at it again. We will
4: hear from Katie Wilkinson from Sheffield United, as well as Ashley Plumpter from Leicester City and Durham defender Becky Saliki. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show.
2: Women's Football Weekly with her Others.
4: Hi, I'm Frank Kirby, and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport2. Hello, team. How are you doing? I hope you've had a good week. It's been a busy one, hasn't it? Plenty of women's football to keep us all occupied now listen joining me today making her debut you'll know her well i'm sure because i guarantee you'll have listened to her podcast it's sophie downey from girls on the ball how are you doing sophie i'm good thank
5: you very well how are you
4: Yes, I'm good. Thank you. We've got a slight delay, so this is going to be fun. We'll have a few little awkward moments throughout the show, no doubt. This is the new world that we live in, as we all know. Uh, right now, we had some midweek games that we need to uh, discuss. Chelsea 3, Arsenal 0. Uh, not going so well for, for Joe Montemuro in his side at the moment, is it? Uh, Bryson were 1-0 winners over West Ham, which is Bryson's first ever back-to-back win in the WSL as well. This is one that interested me most of all, though. Um, after Spurs, Bristol City was postponed with some notice. Uh, we found out Birmingham Aston Villa was called off just five minutes before kick-off. Now, I know that there were journalists pretty much having turned uh, up at the game uh, for that. Tom Gary of The Telegraph, uh, wrote a story about Birmingham City's board refusing to pay £500 to move the game to St George's Park. What did you make of that, Sophie?
5: Uh, it's really frustrating. I think, first of all, with the weather full stop, I mean, causing it's causing absolute havoc to the fixture list. Um, we've got so much of the, the season left to play across the board, but for Birmingham in particular, I mean, they've played 11 games so far this season, and it's, uh, what, the middle of February. Um, So it's got quite a long way to go. And um, their, their pitch troubles are known. And I think it's just even more frustrating that, I mean, 500 pounds doesn't seem that much to me to be able to put on a game.
4: No, it doesn't to me either, and it's not it's down the road. They have other places they can they can play their football and it does seem to me as if women's football in general needs to have more of a backup. We know that this is a problem, this has been a problem for years. You know, across all leagues, um it, it's an issue. Um but particularly at the moment when we all the troubles that we had uh in women's football last season and, and having to end the season on points per game, you'd think that there would be backup plans. And I As you say, £500 is just not a lot of money to go and play at St George's Park, which is obviously quality uh, pitches under soil heating as well. I just don't understand why that that they wouldn't stump up the cash for that, particularly bearing in mind what's going on at Birmingham at the minute.
5: Yeah, I don't get it either. And um, I mean... It is. It's just frustrating. I mean, if you look at where we were this time last year before COVID hit, and we were having a bad winter anyway with the weather. Um, so we we all know what happens every year. We know it's coming. We know the pitchers are going to struggle at this level, um, and there there just needs to be a bit more preparation, I think, and backup plans to to get that in place so that the games can be played because it's not a good look for the league.
4: No, it's not a good look for the league, and it's not a good look for Birmingham either. And actually, the Telegraph did contact uh, the club, and they declined to comment. So, interesting. I, I don't think stories like that are gonna are gonna go away because this is not the standard that we expect in the Barclays FA WSL uh, nowadays. Um, right, some better news though. Uh, Bristol City's Ebony Salmon called up to the England squad, and she really deserves it. We had um, manager Matt Beard on uh, last week, and he was saying what an absolute joy. She is uh, in training, and she's just been a revelation. And when you think about it, she's 20 years old, she's captained the Young Lionesses uh, squad to fourth place at the Women's Under 17s Championship back in 2018. She's got a real international pedigree already. It was only a matter of time, wasn't it, Sophie, that she stepped up to the senior squad?
5: Absolutely. I mean, I've watched Ebony for many years now. I've seen her play through the youth levels for England, um, and then when she started Aston Villa, and then obviously she went to Man United played a bit of Sheffield and then went to Bristol. And I mean, you can see her confidence this season is just flying high. She's um, she's an all-out pace kind of striker, but she's got other attributes to her game. And you can see the development that's been like made over the last six months or so to get her to where she is. And she really deserves that call-up.
4: Yeah, she really does. She's going to join the rest of the 21-player squad uh, when they meet at the training base St George's Park on the 18th of February, which is Thursday, uh, I think. We'll be bringing you an England and international special, actually, here on Women's Football Weekly next week with Anita Asante uh, joining us as well. Um, Really interesting to see... Uh, This story as well, Hope Powell making history by becoming the first ever female winner of the League Managers Association performance of the week. Uh, That was for Brighton's 2-1 win at Chelsea. You remember that ended Chelsea's 33 game unbeaten record in the Barclays FA uh, WSL, which stretched back almost two years as well. Um, Fantastic for for Hope to, to receive that. This is the first season that WSL performances have been considered, Sophie.
5: Yeah, it's a really good step forward. And I mean, we all know that Hope has been a part of the English Women's Game for a long, long time now. Um, and it seems kind of apt that she, she was kind of the first woman manager to have won that award. Um, it was a great performance and I think well deserved at the end of it.
4: Yeah, and the other story that that also made headlines uh, this week across the board is that Burnley have announced aims to professionalise the women's team and and win promotion to the Championship by 2025, which was quite timely, bearing in mind we're doing a Championship special this week. And, you know, it's it's very interesting that, you know, the American owners have come in and taken over Burnley, uh, shown their commitment to to women's football. It's it's a long-term strategy, uh, they're saying. Obviously, Burnley FC women currently um affiliated to the club but turning professional is a, is a is a big deal
5: it is and um it's it's great to see it happening at lower down the the pyramid as well so to see the lights of burnley putting their their sort of money behind their women's team and actually really seeing the value in it um i think it's a really positive step because we're in we have been in quite worrying times with covid but to see the fact that all like levels of the table are, are starting to think about women's football as a way forward um, and putting their, their their sort of eggs in that basket is really really positive move.
4: Yeah, do you think this is this is going to be something
5: we see more and more? Um, I really hope so, and I, I don't see why not. I think we've seen over the last what few years that women's football is just growing in popularity and also in in the amount of players that are playing it. Um, and it deserves sort of professionalism behind it. It deserves the same facilities. It deserves the right sort of you know fitness and, and training protocols that you get across the board in the men's game. So um, I, th- I really hope so that clubs are starting to see that value and see see what they can do by bringing that under the, the wing of the the club. Yeah, absolutely. And when
4: they start to see the games that we're getting now in, in the FAWSL in, in particular, you can understand why they want to to jump on that as well. Why wouldn't you? Um, and when you see a performance... On Friday night, like you did of Manchester City, um, 3-0 winners over Manchester United. They go up to second with a dominant performance. Seventh win on the bounce it is now for Gareth Taylor's side. They've also got a game in hand over United and Chelsea as well. You know, why wouldn't you want to get in on the act on that when you're seeing fantastic football like we witnessed on Friday?
5: Yeah, I mean, this league this season, it's it's exciting. either end of the day I think and that game on, on Friday really showed the kind of quality that is on show at the moment throughout the league. Um, Man City are on a phenomenal run um, it's quite frightening how how, how good those front, front three players and the rest of the squad are um, and I think we're going to be in for a real like um, good in as we get towards the title.
4: What I loved most of all about this match was how many times Caroline Weir's wonder goal um i mean she's called many wonder goals but this one in particular was an absolute beauty and so many people tweeting this out on on social media sharing around the memes etc which is exactly what we want to see and it was a beauty wasn't it
5: it was an absolute beauty and as you say just to see it being shared across the, the internet um and being just appreciated for just a really really good goal everything about it was just special um and, I mean, Caroline, we only scores worldies, I think. But, uh, um, I mean, she's a very special player and I'm so glad she's getting to showcase her talents.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, of course, we can't forget goals from Lucy Bronze and Lauren Hemp as well. But it is now back-to-back defeats for Manchester United. Worrying, I would say, for, for Casey Stoney. They didn't really pose very much threat throughout. I just want to read you what her post-match comments were. She said, um, it's bitterly disappointing to come here and concede three preventable goals, in my opinion, and not create much. We need to learn very quickly that if you don't get the basics right at this level, you're going to get punished. We were turned over far too easily at times. We played in the wrong areas and made the wrong decisions on the ball. So we've got a lot to learn. We've conceded five goals in two games. And if you're going to win a title, you can't do that. Champions League qualification still in our hands. And that has to be our aim. Is that her conceding the title?
5: I think she's just being honest and we all know Casey Stoney I think she is always honest about her team and the performances um, uh, by by their standards it's not good enough um, I think especially the week before the 2-0 loss to Reading that one would have really hit hard mm-hmm. I think for them but I mean there's no taking away from how good they've become this season the progress that that club has made um, under Casey Stoney but yeah I mean they're aiming high and th- those those um, those two defeats won't, won't has it sat well with
4: them no they won't have done and I suppose they've been aided a little bit even though you we've seen uh, the resurgence of, of Manchester City of late they've been absolutely fantastic seven wins on the bounce as I said but you know bearing in mind Arsenal's troubles that they they'll be a little bit relieved by that won't they uh, Manchester United because it gives them a tiny bit of breathing space to make sure that they cement at least that third place position
5: yeah, definitely, and it will help them that Arsenal currently can't play a game. They seem to be falling foul of the weather and other things, so um, they've got the momentum a little bit by just by just being able to play football more than anything, um, even if the results aren't going their way at the moment. Um, but there's a break now, and everyone will come back hopefully refreshed afterwards. And I think we'll be in for quite a run in to see how that championship Champions League plays plays out.
4: Mm, and it is crucial, isn't it? You need to play football to win games, yeah, <laughs> for sure. <exactly. laughs> uh, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Sophie Downey from Girls on the Ball. Coming up, we're going to wrap up the rest of the WSL action and chat to the Championship's top scorer, Katie Wilkinson.
2: Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on Talk Sport 2. This
4: is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the only show on National Radio dedicated to women's football with Baker Others and Sophie Downey from Girls on the Ball. Don't forget if you miss any of our shows Or if you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can download it today and just go to our podcast section. Uh, Right, let's wrap up the rest of the WSL action before we move on to our championship focus, shall we? Uh, So Reading won, Everton won. Um, Everton left it late, but managed to grab a point against Reading at the Medeski. They're both four points behind Arsenal, locked on uh, 19, but Everton... Have two games in hand. What did you make of of this game, Sophie?
5: I think it was um, it's a really interesting contest. Um, I think Reading had their chances, especially in the early stages. Um, and it kind of was the story of a uh, Reading season. They've like they have such energy and such um, good midfield press, but they haven't been able to quite uh, take take all the opportunities or create that many clear cut chances. Um, Whereas Everton, Everton started the league obviously really, really well. They were high flying and they've sort of come to a bit of a a pause at the moment or a halt. But um, they're getting, it was a good point to rescue, I think. um, A nice goal from Sorensen. And yeah, it was good to come away with a point in the end.
4: Yeah, Everton equalising in the 77th minute, uh, Sorensen heading in. Uh, from an Ingrid Mould cross at the back post. Her first goal since back in October. But Rachel Rowe's been in fantastic form for for Reading. She uh, hit in the rebound from Danielle Carter's header early on. And she's been having a great season, hasn't she?
5: She is. I think she often flies a bit under the radar and people don't really talk about her qualities. Um, but she's a really really um, clever uh, player, um, gets those goals as well and gets in those positions to to create chances. Um, so she's a real asset to that Reading side.
4: Yeah, she certainly is. Um, you were at Bristol City nil, Chelsea five, weren't you? A uh, bit too yeah. much, um, weren't they, Chelsea, for the rather improved Bristol City. Uh, what did you make of this game?
5: I think it probably pretty much went as we expected. I mean, Bristol, um, they did battle as hard as they could. Um, but Chelsea, when they're on form like that, I mean, with Frank Kirby in the form that she's in at the moment, and the lights of Harder as well, you know, anchor. Kerr. Um, I think they can be a bit of an unstoppable train and the conditions didn't really help. The pitch was a bit uh, boggy in places. I think it, um, it was kind of predictable in the end.
4: Yeah, Bristol City didn't register a shot on target. I know Matt Beard will be pretty disappointed with that and it ends a three-game unbeaten run for them as well. But as you say... Kirby, in particular, this season has just been a a delight to watch. She got two, Penilla Harder with one, uh, Sam Kerr and Bethany England all on the score sheet. And it means that Chelsea are five points clear at the top. But Manchester City, of course, have have a game in hand Um, and after what happened um, to Chelsea the other week. Emma Hayes is not going to be resting on her laurels, is she?
5: Uh, She's not. And I think that's, I mean, it's a sign of a a great squad, isn't it, to come back so quickly from a a sort of blow like they got against Brighton. They wouldn't have been expecting that, really. Um, But they've come back. They obviously beat Arsenal midweek and then followed it up with that um, 5-0 win against Bristol. So they're back on track um, and I think they can move forward from this point.
4: Yeah, and uh, Matt Beard's side still two points adrift of safety, but they have played more than all the teams above them, so they've still got quite a bit of work to do. Uh, right, you're all up to date with the uh, Barclays FA WSL, but I did promise you a Championship special, so who best to ask about what's going on in this really competitive division this season than the players competing in it themselves, and uh, delighted to have Katie Wilkinson, the Championship's top scorer, Sheffield United forward, of course, course joining us how are you doing Katie yeah I'm really well thank you excellent okay so your game against Charlton was postponed uh frustratingly so you missed the chance of closing the gap on Leicester you're four points behind them at the minute how confident are you you can catch them
6: um I mean it's a massive challenge uh they've obviously got two games in hand as well so um you know we're not we're not kind of going to be you know Disappointed if if we don't necessarily um, get that t- promotion spot that we you know we set out to to get at the start of the season. We've kind of come to terms with with where we are at the moment, um, and our challenge I think has changed a little bit in that we take each game as it comes and we try and get the three points that that we want out of each game. And and if we can catch them and there's a bit of a miracle in there, then it'd be unbelievable. But we have to be realistic to where we are, um, and you know we've with Neil Redfern coming in at the start of the season, uh, towards the end of pre-season, actually, um, it's been definitely a challenge and kind of something that we're, uh, we've had to not get used to, but he's obviously got a different way of playing with the group of players that we've got. And it's something that we've kind of, just before Christmas, probably just got the hang of, I guess. So, um, you know, those those performance that, performances that he was kind of looking for has started coming to fruition. Um Di- disappointingly for us because obviously it's halfway through the season but you know we just want to keep progressing as a group of players and, and see where we end up at the end of the season.
5: Hi Katie and for you you yourself you're absolutely um, flying at the moment I think you've had 15 goals in, in 15 games um, how, how how does that rate because you've been a quite prolific score, goal scorer across the championship for, for several years um, how does this season rate for you?
6: Um, personally, obviously 15 and 15, um, is definitely, you know, where I want to be in a sense. I've, i you know, I've got a goal for, for the season of where I'd like to be. I want to be over 20 goals. Um, I think we've got five or six games left. So the way I'm going in terms of the one goal per game average, it's, it's looking that way, but I've got to keep performing. And obviously as a group of players, we've got to keep performing well for me to be able to do that. So
4: yeah, that's really interesting. That I love that you've got a target and very modest there. Fifteen and fifteen and fifteen, yeah, you know, it's kind of where I want to be. <laughs> I'd be I'd be <laughs> cockahoot with that, I tell you. Um listen, last season we have got to address it. We've spoken to Rich Laverty about it on this programme before. Um second behind Villa on points per game. How gutted were you with that decision and and, and how much has it spurred you on? this season because you were so close and I, I, I know that as a team you thought you could close that gap
6: It was gutting to be honest um, obviously especially when something becomes out of your control the way that that happened um, obviously rightly so with the way that the world was but it doesn't make it any easier to kind of digest um, we are, we genuinely believe that we could we could catch Villa up obviously it was just a three point gap um, so it was it was really disappointing and obviously spurred us on for this season. Um, but I think the Championship's got a hell of a lot stronger this season, um, which makes it really difficult for part-time teams like ourselves to be consistently competing against teams that are also full-time within our league. Um, so with that in mind, we have to just be realistic with what we can achieve. And I think to be sat third in the table, four points off top and you know, be putting the performances out that we have been. I think, you know, we have to be satisfied with that a little bit.
4: Yeah, I was going to ask you that because it has been really competitive. um, Probably, you know getting more and more competitive by the day. And when you see announcements like Burnley's, where they're looking at bringing in uh, the Burnley FC women's team and and that was affiliated with the club, turning it professional, bringing them into the championship is the aim by 2025. Do you kind of look behind your shoulder a little bit there and, 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 you know, realise that it's getting more competitive?
6: Yeah, all the time. I think, you know, even teams in our division are coming out. You know, Charlton have just have just come out and said that they're going to be um, joining forces with the men's team um, and hopefully looking to go full-time. So everybody around us is kind of taking that step to kind of be the best that they can be. And I think it, it leaves teams that are still part-time kind of looking at themselves and going, we need to do this now if they want to kind of compete or even just stay in contention. So I think for a lot of women's clubs now, it's a case of kind of when, not if.
4: Yeah, very much so. But, you know, the club has showed a commitment to women's football and that's really important.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've had the backing of the men's team personally, with Sheffield and, you know, Neil Redfern coming in has made a massive statement, I believe. Um, And, you know, the calibre of players that we have at the club... You know, you've got players like Kasia Litka, Leandra Little, Nama is at United, Sophie Walton has been around the game, Courtney sutton who came from Liverpool. You know, we've got players that, you know, just the ability and the calibre, you know, can send Sheffield United up to the top and, and be comfortable in that division in the WSL, I believe. So, um, It definitely helps and I think we're going in the direction where we want to be going Um, but I think you know we have to just take our time and trust the process a little bit
4: just one final question before I let you go as a player would you like to see the WSL expanded or do you think it's important to have two competitive top-tier leagues
6: um, I'd like to see it expanded in terms of the, te- the amount of teams that it's got in there now, um, but I still think it's important to have those two top divisions. So you know whether it's it's teams in in the in the Prem that you know are, are ready to make that step up to the Championship, and then and then teams within the Championship now that feel as though they're ready to make that step up to WSL. Um, I think it's important that we get as much as many games in as possible because I think for me personally as a player. I get frustrated that there's maybe not enough games for us. You know, we've got a six-week break coming up. Um, and What are you going to
4: do in that time? That's crazy to me. It
6: is. I've no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, to be fair, we, we, we're going to have training. We've got a few friendlies booked in, but it's not the same as, as your league games, is it? And it's not, you know, you want to be waking up and having that game day feeling where you, go, you want to go and get that three points on the board. So for me, it's personally it's frustrating, and you'd like to see both leagues expand, really. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Brilliant. Katie, delight to talk to you. Hopefully actually get you in the studio on Women's Football Weekly uh, soon. Good luck with your target of 20 and the, the rest of Sheffield United season.
6: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant. Katie
4: Wilkinson, Sheffield United forward and of course the Championship's top scorer at the moment. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. Next up, we're going to be talking Leicester
1: To get started visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
2: On DAB+ online by the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the home for women's football. You're
4: listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others alongside Sophie Downey from Girls on the Ball. Uh, now then, I remind you every week, but if you do miss any of the show, you can catch up by downloading the TalkSport app and subscribing to our podcast. Just search for TalkSport Women's Football Weekly. Uh, right, so this is a championship special this week, and there were actually a few games of football in the championship, believe it or not, that did go ahead. Uh, Crystal Palace 5, London Bees nil. Lee Birch leaving London Bees by mutual consent on Wednesday. Sean Osmond in caretaker charge. That was a bit of a battering for them, Sophie, wasn't it?
5: Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a blow. He, um sometimes when you lose a manager you, you get a bit of a bounce back, but it didn't seem to be to be the way for London Bees yesterday. And um Crystal Palace were just they were phenomenal. They just sort of cut them apart. And Bianca Baptiste up front, I mean, she she got two goals, got three three assists, I think. So um she just sort of made them pay. And at that level, she is clinical. Um, obviously, of Spurs beforehand. So she she's sort of got that proven scoring ability.
4: Yeah, and Le- London B's in a bit of a pickle, really.
5: Uh, yeah, they are. This is a shame about Lee Bertrand. He's a quality manager. I mean, mm. he's done really well in the past with like the likes of Millwall and Yeovil. Yo- um, so I was a bit of a, a shock to see him, see him go. Um, yeah. But they have had a bit of an up-and-down season so far. So... Um, yeah, I don't know what we'll see what happens next.
4: Yeah, it's a very tight uh, bottom three there. You've got Coventry United played 13 on seven points. Charlton played 12 on seven points. London Bees played 15 on eight points. So, yeah, they've got some work to do for sure. Uh, Lewis, two, London City Lionesses, three. Uh, that makes that quite tight between fifth and sixth. A bit of flip-flopping uh, going on. London City in fifth. Lewis, uh, four points behind them, but have a game in hand. Um Now then, a game that was frustratingly postponed was Durham-Leicester City. A really exciting fixture that we hope gets rescheduled quickly because we were looking forward to it. We are still going to be joined by a guest from both teams uh, regardless. Uh, Firstly, though, we're going to hear from Leicester City fan Hannah, who's been supporting the Foxes all the way from Canada.
7: Well, I mean, growing up, I was in a hardcore hockey family and I support the Arizona Coyotes. So when I was a kid, I saw like coyotes and then foxes and they just had that similarity. So I was like, I'll just go with the foxes. And I ended up here and I'm pretty happy with it. I got into women's, of course, like I've always been a massive follower of the NWSL. Then I started following more of the WSL. And then, of course, Leicester women's team, it just all flowed perfectly. Wow. And have you ever come over and watched a game or has it just been fully from Canada? It's all just been from Canada. I was hoping to make it out this summer, but obviously with everything going on, that's not going to happen for a while. Okay. I, if I get up at 4 a.m. for a game, I get up at 4 a.m. for a game. It's, I'm in a routine now. <laughs> wow. Wow. So how are you feeling about this season? Uh, amazing. I, I don't even know how to describe it because it's just it's so crazy because like everyone refers to Leicester as like little old Leicester. <laughs> and just the progression they've had this season's been amazing. And seeing like the ownership kind of stepping in more and the club stepping in, and then the fact that they have like a Premier League standard training ground for a women's team now, that to me, that's just amazing. I am beyond impressed with this season. And are you feeling pretty confident about their chances of getting promoted to the WSL? I'm feeling pretty confident, but I also don't like to jinx anything. I don't <laughs> like to kind of get my hopes up a bit. Of course, Durham are a really strong side and they've been performing so well this season. Sheffield as well. So I'm not going to say too much quite yet, but it's looking good so far. And I'm oh, if it happens, I'll be, I'll probably cry for a few days. <laughs> and if they do get promoted, do you think you'll be able to come over, hopefully maybe start of the next WSL season and and come to a game? Absolutely. Yeah. I That's like the first thing on my bucket list. As soon as all these restrictions are lifted, fingers crossed, I'll I'll be out there. First flight out there, I'll be on it. Oh, brilliant. Hannah, pop in and see us at Women's
4: Football Weekly on Talksport 2 as well, please. Love the fact uh, that Leicester have got a fan out in Canada and this is the, the attraction of women's football over here in the UK. We have fans uh, from all over, uh, Hannah was speaking, to producer Flo Lloyd-Hughes uh, there. Um, Sophie, so important, aren't they, the, the fans? And the fact that even teams down in the Championship have a global appeal is crucial for the growth of women's football.
5: Absolutely. I mean, um, it, we, it, it doesn't get, it's not shown as much on, on TV, but the, the fact that the games are available, like on the FA player the day after, it just enables fans from around the world to, to get on board and to see their team play and really engage with the football and the co- level of competition because it deserves a platform. It's one of the most competitive leagues. Um, I really enjoy the championship myself um, and it, it's going to come to a really exciting conclusion. Yeah,
4: absolutely, it is. Um, And actually, let's find out what kind of conclusion uh, she is planning for it to go in. Leicester City defender Ashley Plumter is with us. How are you doing, uh, Ashley? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, we're very well, thank you. Now, you are flying high. This is looking like a superb season uh, so far. A game in hand over Durham. What? I'm absolutely gutted that game didn't go ahead, but I'm sure you had all confidence that you were going to take all three points.
8: Yeah, I think I actually woke up the start of the week on Monday thinking that we had to play Durham the next day. I feel like it's already been in my dreams about it. But it's a game that, yeah, definitely not going to take lightly at all, Um, especially being on the same points as them. We know how good we are. I think you you have to respect Durham for the the team ethic that they have. You know, a lot of people probably underestimate them just because they're Durham, you know, and they don't have maybe the backing that other teams have. But what they do have is a great synergy within the team and that gets them through games and gets them through 90 minutes of um, hard work and good football.
5: Yeah. Sophie? Uh, Yeah, and Ashley, I mean, you're a a Leicester, you you, uh, you started at Leicester, you're kind of a Leicester fan at heart. What does it mean to be part of this journey that you're on at the moment?
8: You know what? I probably couldn't actually put it into words. Um, I'd probably describe myself as somebody who, what well, I'd like to be able to say that I, I play for a badge rather than my name. I've, I came from America where when I started playing at USC and LA, I, I played for a team that was all about instilling team culture and um, camaraderie within a whole team setup um, into me. So I came from there into this setup knowing that I'm gr- I grew up here and had the same mentality. I have I get to be close to my family. I haven't been close to it in a lo in a long time after being in America, but I'm playing for the team that I grew up... It was the first um, academy that I played for as well at eight years old. So I was here for seven years, then went on to a few other clubs just to try and push myself a little bit more. And I always used to go to games like the senior games when I was younger, thinking, do you know what, if Leicester could... Get to because at that point I think they were probably in like the fourth division in women's football, and I was like, imagine if they could be you know first or second division, and I could come back from America and play for them. That would just be perfect. And honestly, I think the stars align really. And now I'm just ready to kick on. I've been back for just over a year now, and um, I've kind of seen the the team go from semi-professional to professional, and it's um, been a bit of a strange transition, if I'm honest. A lot of players in and out. Um, Obviously, the training ground as well, but um, I'm really loving every second of it. It's, it's a really and
4: that, that new hair, he... oh, Sorry, yeah, Sophie, sorry. you go.
5: Me, me and Sophie aren't in the um, same place,
4: by the way, so <laughs> apologies. We can't wave at each other. You go for it, Sophie.
5: <laughs> sorry, I was just going to uh, just build on that uh, training ground uh, point, because you, you have just moved into Belvoir Drive. What is it like being in that sort of um, facility now?
8: It's honestly fantastic. I think it's not really sunk in with all of us yet. The fact that we get this whole place to ourselves, that like we have three professional pitches, all of which we can use whenever day we want to, obviously I think at the minute it's been a little bit tough with the crazy weather conditions. Um, but, yeah. you know, maybe a few other teams, they probably won't be able to train, but we've still managed to train, whether that be on the pitches or, you know, today, a lot of the girls did bike. We we were on the pitch, but a lot of girls did bike sessions inside and, We have a little indoor area as well. So there's really no excuses not to be performing at our best because we're literally provided with everything that we could possibly want.
4: And that's so important nowadays, isn't it? And that's what's going to separate teams, um, unfortunately, uh, because it shouldn't always end up being about the money. But if we want to make the game uh, more professional, this is the way it has to go. And, of course, the Morgan family at the absolute heart of Leicester City women. Uh, For anybody who doesn't know, Jonathan Morgan's the manager, uh, Holly Morgan's their captain, Jade's the general manager and Rohan, their father, is the the chairman. It's a real family affair. Does it feel like that as a player there?
6: Yeah,
8: definitely. When I actually joined, um, yeah, just over a year ago, um, I, I didn't know for a long time about that, but then as soon as I came, you could definitely tell the, the family vibe and they always, you know, you know, now we're in a professional environment. They all don't really have to be here, but I think just because they're so connected with a club, like Rohan's here all the time, watching this train, James is here all the time. And, um, and that kind of, I don't know, sinks down into us as well. Like it actually mm. feels like there's less less pressure on us and we actually feel like we're protected. You know, if, if a family is running something like this, then we automatically become part of that.
4: Mm. You buy into yeah. it. Yeah, I absolutely, yeah, I totally understand what you mean. And and, and having, you know, been born and bred in, in Leicester, being back there w- with your family, what would it mean to you to get promoted into the Barclays FAWSL?
8: You know, just as you said that, I feel like I don't, um, that I never get used to hearing that, to be honest, because when you said that, I was still kind of like shaking my head because it's something that um, ever since I knew that Leicester was a possibility of me coming back to, it's something that I always just wanted to achieve. And I'm someone who's not really ever been on a, a team that's you know an out and out winning team I've always been on kind of like an underdog team um and I'd actually say that Leicester here at Leicester we have that mentality we don't go out thinking that we're gonna beat every team just because we have you know the facilities and whatever yes it puts a little bit more pressure on us but at the end of the day we have to take one game at a time and you know the season has been a bit crazy and we've just got to keep focused on you know the next week the week after that and Um, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself, but I can't lie. I've definitely had uh, a few dreams about potentially lifting a trophy with my childhood club, definitely.
4: Oh, wow. Visualisation is key for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just finally, um, we, were, we were talking earlier on to Katie Wilkinson from Sheffield United about the emergence of many Premier League teams, in particular championship teams as well. Uh, finally putting some money behind the women's team and bringing them in uh, to the men's side, same facilities and things like that. Uh, having seen that transition... Um, with what you've experienced at Leicester. How crucial do you think that's going to be for the progress of the game? Or is there a worry that that teams like, you know, Durham, who aren't affiliated to a a men's club, could fall by the wayside as a consequence?
8: Mm, Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I think at the minute, um, obviously, Durham, in a sense, are defying odds, um, you know, because obviously they don't have the support others do. But I think, obviously, with... And in a few seasons' time, I guess, when more, hopefully, more men's teams try and support women's teams, um, it will become like, they'll become like the little 1%, you know, because the things that we have, we get to come in on our off days and do recovery, and those little things kind of add up. We also have, like, a nutritionist and a, the strength and conditioning staff and physios and all those little things really do add up in the end. So I think as the women's game gets more competitive, that will become crucial. Um, but at the minute, I... I honestly I love obviously we're going to be playing Durham soon but I have a lot of respect for them because I'm all about um having no excuses in the sense of you know what Mm. if you go out and work hard as a team and you put your body on the line there is no excuse why you can't win so at the minute that's why they're doing so well but like I said at some point when everybody else is starting to get those little one percent and they all start to add up that's when you know The likes of Durham maybe, you never know, but might start, I don't know, not performing in the... Not maybe consistently performing, but just in comparison to other teams, it might be a little bit more difficult for them.
4: I know what you mean. We're going to be speaking to Durham defender Becky Saliki uh, shortly about that. But it was an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Ashley. Good luck for the rest of the season as well. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Great. Thank you so much. That's Leicester City defender Ashley Plumpter there. As I said, we will be speaking to Durham defender Becky Saliki next here on Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. <laughs> you, this is you are this is who knows this is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. I'm Faker Others. Keeping you company with me is Sophie from Girls on the Ball and continuing our championship focus. We're going to be joined now uh, by Durham defender Becky Saliki. How are you doing, Becky? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. We were just talking to Ashley Plumpter from Leicester. She said she was gutted not to be playing you the other day. How frustrating was that you couldn't try and uh, close the gap or even overtake them at the top of the table?
3: Yeah, of course, no, very frustrating and um, it's... Something that we've been looking forward to for a long time to play against Leicester. Um, it was a, it was a draw last time round, and I feel like we didn't quite perform to the levels that we normally can. And um, so there was a bit of kind of we wanted to get get our own back in that in that in that sense. But um, no, we, we were all massively disappointed. Um, unfortunately, due to weather weather reasons, we couldn't play. But um, I'm sure it'll get reorganized soon, and we can we can look forward to that one again.
4: Yeah, well, we're certainly looking forward to, to watching it. Um, it's been so tight in the season, um, in, in the championship table this season. W- what's been the key to your success so far? Second in the table, level on points uh, with Leicester. W- what's the key to that?
3: Um, I think just that never say never say die attitude kind of thing. We, um, I think we're, we're very well known to apparently be a physical team, and I think people forget actually that we can play football and we we are good. Um, and I think we just we we go into every game just thinking like we're just going to give our absolute everything and we we die for each other on the pitch. We we were proud to wear to wear the badge um, and yeah we we just give our, our absolutely everything and sometimes like it's um, it's, it's we've been lucky in some results in in the way that uh, maybe it's not exactly all been in our favour but again I think because of our attitude that's why we we grind out the results in the end.
5: Hi Becky, you've been at Durham for quite a, a few years now. Um, how have you seen the club progress season on season? Because obviously you've got quite a different model from some other clubs.
3: Yeah, it's um, it's. I mean, I was just listening before to the interview as well, and um, we've we've got such a sustainable like business model as such. Like, the, the club has run as a business, and I think it it's it ran very very well. And um, pe- people kind of look at us, look at us as kind of little old Durham. I, I heard. Um, Actually, before saying about how it's little old Leicester, like we we are, we are seen as little Old Durham, but we do very well for for what we've got, and and you know what it is, like we actually do have a lot, and um, we, we're very well looked after. We've got fantastic partners who who support us and continues to, to support us throughout the pandemic and throughout everything that's going on, and um, we continue to to grow every single year, and um, we.
1: I mean, we 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 laugh about
3: it, but we we say that we're not full time. But we see we see each other as players in at the club more than we do our own families most of the time. Because um, we're we're not quite full time, but we're we're getting there. And um, yeah, hopefully we keep progressing, and and one day we will be full time, just like what the other, what the other teams are.
4: Yeah, it's really interesting you say that because you do have a sustainable model. And some people would argue that, that bringing women's football into men's football, which isn't particularly sustainable, actually is not the way forward. And the way that you're doing it is, is the right way. Do, do you feel as if that gives you the edge on some teams? Or do you feel like in the future it could become a problem when you see other um, men's championship and Premier League sides buying into women's teams and then promoting them with, with a fan base there already?
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, well, don't get us wrong. I mean, we, we've got fantastic fans already. I mean, our average for most home games is, is near on 400 per like per um, home game. Um, I think the most we ever had was about 1,800 when we played Chelsea in the FA Cup at home. Like, the support's there and we, we do fantastic for it. Um, in regards to your question, I think it, it, it can work both ways. I don't see why it can't work both ways to say mm. that, like... We, we do very well already and we're already pushing to kind of to, to be at them levels. We're competing with full time teams that have, have got a lot more money than us in in, in certain aspects. And like we, we do very well for what we're doing and, and we're not just going to stop there. We're going to continue to progress and do what we do within our business model and, and hopefully still compete. And we're, we've got absolutely every faith that if we ever did get promoted and we did get into the top division, that we would also be able to compete at that level as well.
4: Yeah, I, I love the fact you know you promote youth. Um, obviously, you're supported by Durham University and some other major partners as well. But you you bring up the girls from uh, from the academy, if you like. And and Lee Sanders, of course, is is the heart and soul of the club, founding it as a girls' team back in 2006, and is the driving force behind it all.
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, we've got a fantastic like youth setup. Um, like on, honestly, some of some of the kids that are coming through. Uh, absolutely amazing and I mean the North East itself has always been a bit of a hotbed for talent you've seen some of the some of the girls that have, have come up through the North East to now play um in in the top divisions have played all around the world and are class as world-class players um and I think it's it's good that Durham are, are there to be one of the teams that are kind of promoting that and, and keeping keeping that youth talent coming through
4: and you're pushing Leicester all the way, just very, very quickly. What would it mean to you to get Durham into the Barclays FAWSL? Uh,
3: absolutely everything. Um, that's that's something as a player that you always want. We don't we we don't just play just just to be there. Like we we want to compete and we want to be at the very the very top. And and it would be absolutely everything to us if we can get there. But there's a long way to go, and we'll we'll see where we are come the end of the season.
4: I'm looking forward to watching it, Becky. You've been a delight to watch this season. Long may it continue those performances. I'm sure we'll get you back on the show very soon. Nice to chat to you. You yeah. too. Thanks so much. Durham defender Becky Saliki there. And that wraps up our Championship Special here on Women's Football Weekly. Uh, Sophie, it's been an absolute pleasure. How was your debut? Thank you so much. <laughs> it was good, thank you. Excellent. <laughs> we'll get you back on again soon, hopefully actually in the studio. Uh, next week, it's an international special, lots on the Lionesses as they head to their first training camp under Heger Aston Villa's Anita Asante is going to be joining me for that one, so don't miss it. Uh, but thanks to Sophie Downey, Katie Wilkinson, Ashley Plumter, Becky Saliki, to all you championship fans who spoke to us today and to all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our specials, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the Twitter. TalkSport app.